Well, hey, everybody. Uh, my name is David. Uh, it's been a while. So I want to say a special hello to those of you online. Let me just give you a heads up. If you're, if you're watching on, online, specific online, and, uh, and you're able to make it to one of the physical locations, you should. Now, I'm not hating on you for watching online. One, we provide an online option. Um, it's not a trick. But, and you can be on vacation. I was on vacation. But, but if you're able to, let's just start having the, uh, the grown-up conversation that if you're only online because it's easier, it's time to come in person because we'd love to see you. And you want to see us, whether you admit it or not. Okay. Hey, so we're in a series called Thunderdome, which I'm very tempted to paint my face next week. So I'll, as I consider that, I've got a sermon I want to talk to you about. Uh, but I've got to give you... Uh, a little interesting if you don't already have it, Thunderdome, many of us are like, I don't know what that means. Basically, there are things in life that we have to go to battle against. Now, we'll list some of those, but there I would call them ideas, maybe differences in culture where culture says this, and, but you're like, ah, but I, but I think like following Jesus it says this, and there begins to be like, I think I might be at odds with an idea that my surroundings, the people around me are saying, hey, that's right, and you might say, I don't think that is, or... Or you might have an issue that you're wrestling with, like, is the Bible uh, true and relevant? Uh, Do science and faith completely contradict each other and disprove a bunch of stuff and where maybe that's confusing and all that? So so to talk to you about what I want to talk to you about, i got to give you a history lesson. For those of you who hated school, like myself, uh, this should be fun. I want to be a fun teacher. So here, uh, I need to tell you about the Age of Enlightenment. Uh, You were taught this, as was I. And uh, I don't remember what they said, but I know what I've recently learned. Uh, the, the Age of Enlightenment uh, was 1600s, 1700s, leaked into the 1800s. It's a time frame in history, actually not super far away. I know some of us, like, that seems like more than a couple hundred years. That seems like a long time away. But in the span of history, that's actually not a long way away. What I want you to know about this is it affects the way that you learn, the way that you listen, the way that you talk, the way that you make decisions, and I need to tell you about that because some of us are flat out not even aware of this because we slept through class, and we don't, and some of you are like, no, I'm not affected by that. Yeah, you are. We all are. So I want to, here's what you're going to learn about the Age of Enlightenment. Uh, It was an intellectual movement, Uh, so for those of you who are the intellectual types, you're like, "Mm, my favorite time. Uh, it, It focused on the idea ideas concerning God and humanity, uh, reason, nature, things like that. It celebrated reason specifically. And in fact, the age of enlightenment is when people began to take the role of God. Now, I know that seems extreme. You're like, are you kidding me? Like literally they showed up to class left going, I am God. No, that's not how it played out. What began to happen was people began to say, I kind of like the authority that God has had in life. I'm going to start using that authority in my own life. They didn't call themselves God. They just behaved like him. The Age of Enlightenment is where this launched out. And here, figuring everything out became a priority. And for you to figure everything out in life, you're going to get tripped up at some point because you're gonna actually have to find out who's the authority. So, for those of you who enjoy history, my wife was a history teacher, so I, by default, enjoy history. Uh, Here's what happened out of the Age of Enlightenment. Some idols were created. Again, not on purpose. It wasn't a group of people going, you know, I'm in the mood to make some idols. 
It's just now we can look back at history and begin to see that reason and rationale began to be worshipped. If you're not understanding this, it means that when you look at life and you begin to try to explain things, you can get so caught in that current that you worship the idea of having to explain everything. If you've ever been overwhelmed by needing to explain your faith in every ounce of it, one, you should be willing to admit that you have been there, had a conversation, been asked a question, and in your heart, you're like, I don't have a full answer for that. And sometimes we feel like we're fools. You willing to admit that? Or you've been asked a question, and you're like, I don't have an answer. I should have an answer. If I'm a good Christian, I have an answer for absolutely everything. I should understand every facet of God, and so that's my role. If I love God, I should know everything about him and how he rules and, and what he does. And that thinking, you can thank the Age of Enlightenment for that one. <laughs> uh, in fact, let me show you the, the major change here. Pre-enlightenment, pre-enlightenment, okay, here. Don't worry, history lesson will be over soon. Pre-enlightenment. People believed before the enlightenment, it's possible we can't understand or explain everything. Come on, everybody together. Someone was like, I want a time machine and I would like to go to any era before the age of enlightenment. You need to know that only 200 years ago or so, this changed. You need to know for the majority of humankind's time on planet Earth, the majority of time, they were okay with going, yeah, I can give you a little bit, but I don't know every answer to your why question. The age of enlightenment, life became to be about understanding and explaining everything. Now, I'm not hating on explaining stuff. I'm a parent. You better believe all the time I'm explaining how to be a productive citizen in the United States of America (laughs) to our kids. You better believe I'm explaining a lot of things. I actually love to explain stuff. But you gotta be careful because it's very easy to think that you have to explain everything. So here, uh, a temptation. We are tempted to believe the only God that can exist is the God we can explain. That's why I just told you about the age of enlightenment. And if you've ever wondered, where's that coming from? If you're a normal Christian, you've actually sometimes thought that you just weren't educated enough. Sometimes we treat discipleship that way as the only facet of discipleship is just more explanation more information, and so many of us think that we're not very good because we don't know everything. And no, you don't, nor do I. We're tempted to believe that only God can exist if we can explain him. This is dangerous territory, would you like to know why? It actually gets to the meat of the sermon that I'm gonna share with you. Because there will be things that play out in your life that you will not be able to explain. You can memorize the entire Bible. You can have the most real experiences with God, and you will still be left with the deficit going, well, I'm going to come up with something, but I know it's not everything. 
I'm going to talk to you about one of the things that I think is primary in our culture that you don't have an explanation for. That. Uh, We'll talk about this regularly as a church is that God loves you. He really does, by the way. He loves you a lot. But when you experience uh, pains, specifically when you, when you experience undeserved pain, you know, where you're like, I mean, okay, sometimes we're like, well, I, d- I deserve that. You know, I, I cut that person off. They hit me. I was, okay, okay. But when the doctor tells you something or tells someone that you know is really good and really special, and all of a sudden you, you're like, wait, 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 wait. You're, no, 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 no. Not, not you. No, you, you shouldn't. No, 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 no. And you're left spinning, going, I, I, don't, I don't have an answer to why. I've talked with many couples trying to have a baby and at the same time have helped certain people try to find the baby a home that they didn't want. And wrestled with what? It seems like the exchange went wrong, and there's pain and suffering. When someone gets bad news that I really like versus someone who gets what they deserved. And this leads to, I think, a, a typical question uh, if God is good, why, why does pain and suffering happen? Have you ever wondered? I mean, uh, your pastor has, okay? Where, where in talking about God, loving God, being told that God loves me, grace and mercy, there's been these, these moments where I'm talking with somebody or just in my own life going, wait a minute, you say you love me and my concept of love is then block for me and, and I'm gonna give you a list of others to block for and I'm gonna give you a list of stop blocking for them and, and, and now we, do we not begin to think that like, that's how life ought to work. It should work fair and, and, and positioned where the good over here, the bad over here, and an and, and equal distribution of, of good to the good and bad to the bad. And, yeah. and then we begin to say something connected to this. That's not what the God I believe in would do. <sighs> um. What if you believe in a God that doesn't exist? Uh, God has often done things that uh, uh, I've disagreed with. Uh, when I say often, it's, it's nearly daily. Uh, where, where God will not or, or will, and I have a disagreement. You, you probably have similar where you come up with your own stuff. Uh, and, and you begin to wrestle. Maybe you don't say it out loud, but you probably have heard it where someone has said that, that where maybe you've like, You've done something, or, or someone's read an article, or you've seen something on social media, and you're like, man, I can't believe they call themselves the Christians, and they say they worship God and, and love God. That's not the kind of God that I believe in. And he wouldn't say that. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't have that rule. He wouldn't just go down the list, right? That's, we, we pretty much all have had those conversations. Pain and suffering. What a daunting task to go after and try to battle. So I gotta say something to you, and frankly, when I look at it in my notes, I'm like, that is harsh. Uh, we went through this recently, and it's like, is that what you really wanna say, David? And, and it is. Well, no, it's not, but... Um, 
So before I say it, I need to say something. I want to make sure I say it correctly. The greatest challenge with pain isn't actually pain. I know most of us, when we think about pain and suffering, we think the worst part, the battle, is against the pain. The pain is the bad. Pain is like, oh my, we got to get rid of that, stop that, get that away, cut that out. No. And we begin to think the pain is the, is the enemy, and that's what is happening, what's going on. Here's, here's the harsh part that, that I want to walk through. Uh, pain and suffering goes to war against your humility. If you want to know why it's so difficult to resolve a lot of the pain and suffering questions is because your answers to why pain is playing out often cuts at your level of arrogance and humility. I told you it was a little harsh, I, and I don't know a different way to say it to be nicer. Just know that I love you. I don't. What I'm saying is your issue and, and my issue with the fact that a loving God allows pain and suffering, I'm going to use these words on purpose, allows for it, allows it. Your issue with that is at hand a bit of humility that you need to wrestle with. Are you cool with God doing things that you don't think God should do? Humility. I didn't make this up by myself. It's in the Bible. Just want you to know that, just so in case you're still mad at me. Uh, yeah, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart. If you've ever wondered, uh, is every human being born with some sort of a craving for God and eternity? I believe so, and I believe it says it in the Bible, that there's just something born in you because you were made by God himself. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, uh, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work. Let me say, people cannot, people cannot, that means you can't, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. If you don't, you're like, man, that's just a little, give me, give me a little bit, a little, little simpler. You don't know everything God knows. You and I included, don't, it's not just you, it's me. I, we do not know what God knows. And I'm not just talking about like your life and my life in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. I'm talking about further beyond that and before that, what God knows, what he understands. So when he allows pain and suffering, one of the humbling parts is you don't know what he knows. And when we begin to question him because of the pain that we're wrestling with, I would tell you that that's okay unless you stay there for a long time. You're in danger of becoming arrogant, believing that you actually know better than God, the age of enlightenment. So let me tell you about a guy that many of us know about, um, Job. He's, the reason we talk about him frequently is because, woo, horrible day, horrible day. Uh, and if you study more, it wasn't just like one day. And uh, let me, if, you, if you're new to the Bible, let me, let me bring you in. Job, it's, he gets a whole book uh, in, in the Bible. Um, also, the oldest book in the Bible, it's in there, and it describes an atrocious series of events uh, in this man's life. Um, basically, within a day, based on how it's read, it may have been longer, but it was all in this. Within a day, he, he loses every, every one of his kids are, are killed. The house collapses on them. Uh, he loses every source of income. 
Now back then, so I'm talking like all the animals he owned, um, all, all, the, all of his employees, his employees are killed, animals are killed. Every source of every single penny, they didn't have pennies, but you get it. Uh, everything that was coming in, all of that gone immediately. All of a sudden he finds himself with nothing Message after message after message from, from person who escaped the, the tragedies that I'm telling you about. Uh, Job, this happened. Then the next guy, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And then some time passes. We don't know exactly how long. Um, God allows Satan to inflict harm onto his body. And we find him not only losing everything he knew, basically, but he's now in so much pain because he has boils from head to foot and he's taking broken pottery, scraping his skin because that feels a little bit better. If you've ever had poison ivy, you're like, I, I know a little bit, a little bit where you begin to itch something so much because the pain of it almost feels better than the other pain. So that's why we talk about Job a lot because they're like, whoa. Uh, Bible. Uh, there once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. Just sounds fun to say it that way. I don't know if that's a correct pronunciation. but So let me tell you about the guy I just told you about. He was blameless. That's important for you to know because sometimes we're like, oh, pastor's about to tell us about this guy who's a really bad guy and so God was punishing him. Um, he was blameless. If you don't know what that means, that means there literally was not a thing that God was holding against him. He was righteous. He was forgiven, he was right with God. A man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil, yet evil found him. It's a horrific story if you don't read the whole book, by the way. Some of you are like, I'm gonna go read this book. Just read the whole thing, please. Um, because even what you'll begin to watch is not only does he lose all of his employees, his, his means of survival, his physical health, his children and everything. His wife says some stuff that would start fights in any marriage. Um, uh, his friends begin to say, we actually think this might be your fault, man. You need to like go to God and like say you're sorry. And it, it, it gets pretty toxic in a lot of ways. The reason I tell you a story is in the midst of Job's horribleness, his pain and suffering, he says something that I think you'll relate to. I don't know if you've read it, Job uh, 3.11, why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? What I think you might relate to is that he is saying why. Imagine you've said why before. You've had pain. You've seen pain in someone else's life. And is that not one of the first questions in your head? Why? Recently, I found myself at a cemetery leading a family through a funeral for a little baby. And I'm staring at this hole in the ground. And you better believe your pastor's going, why? Why? I think why is one of the most natural questions you and I ask in the midst of pain and suffering. And what I want you to see is people for centuries have been looking at God going, why? Just give me why. Tell me why. And what we are unwilling to often admit that if we got the answer, we would still find ourselves incredibly dissatisfied and perhaps even in a worse place. That's coming from a parent, just so you know. 
Why did you just shoot the Nerf gun in my face? Why did you just slap your sister? Why did you not go to class? Why did you not turn that in? And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter what they tell you. I'm still going to keep asking why, just so you know. It just doesn't do for you what you want. If you've ever had a relationship blow up, maybe it was your fault or someone else's fault, or, no, or you don't even know why it did, and you're like, why? If you've ever had, tried to have kids, why can't we? If you've ever tried to like, get financially above the bad parts, like get out of the deficit, it feels like you can't. Like, God, why? You give them money, you don't give me money. If you've ever like, why don't you bless me and you bless them? Why don't you heal me? Why don't, why don't you take care of them? Why don't you fix this? Why are you allowing that? Why don't you stop that? And as a Christian, we often find ourselves going, I don't, uh, uh, please don't ask me why. I don't know why. You ever been sitting with someone, staring at them as they weep? And you so desperately want to give them the answer why, but you do not have it? We'd like to tell you what you do have. You actually, you don't have the answer to why, but you know why not. You know what not. You actually have answers in your head, if you don't know this, of, of what isn't true. You may not know why God did something and you've got this truth and you want to divulge it to them. Here's exactly what God's doing. i got his master plan. What you do have is, is the isn't, what isn't true. And sometimes we need to make sure that we speak that. Here, here. The answer to why isn't God doesn't love me. You have that answer. When someone says why, you can say, well, I don't know why, but I know what isn't one of the answers. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't see me. Are these not the lies that the devil typically tells us in the midst of our pain and suffering is that he doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. In fact, he doesn't even see you. When you feel helpless and you're like, I don't know what to do, I, I don't know, I don't have the answer, and I come from, well, Pastor David said out of this age of enlightenment that says I'm supposed to have an answer for everything. Well, sometimes the answer is you don't have the answer, and that's the answer. Pow! Christians, please, start speaking up about what you should speak up about. Your problems do not mean God has abandoned you. We have proof. I love proof because of the age of enlightenment. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus gives us a ton of proof. I'd like just to spell out just a little bit of it. Give you an example about Jesus. Jesus, uh, uh, if you don't know this, Jesus, has, ha, he had friends, like legit friends, uh, buddies. Uh, one of his buddies died. And, and the way the, the Bible tells us how, how this happened is his buddy died and Jesus didn't get there and, and they knew Jesus had power and he didn't, he didn't get there uh, in, in their words in time which you and I are like well in time I mean it's Jesus like is there a time constraint here but they felt like it was basically culturally it had gone past a certain day that, that a body could actually come back to life and there was cleanliness and that kind of stuff going on and, but what's fascinating about when Jesus shows up as his buddy is dead and actually uh, buried and Jesus shows up and you know, do you know Jesus' response? It's what they say is the shortest verse in the Bible. 
It's actually confusing if you don't think about it. Uh, then Jesus wept. Some versions say Jesus wept. The reason this is confusing is, if you don't know the story, here in a few minutes, Jesus is going to bring him back to life. If you went to a funeral and you held the power to raise that person back to life, I have a question for you. Would you cry at the funeral? Let me answer it for you. I think you would. Let me tell you why. Because when other people that you love around you suffer, you suffer with them. And what you need to know about how much God loves you, pain and suffering, God suffers with you. One of the greatest pieces to why this little verse in the Bible says Jesus wept, even though here in a few minutes he's going to raise the guy back to life and Lazarus is actually going to be one of the major proponents to the gospel of Jesus Christ actually going to all the places. We talk about the disciples. We give them a lot of cred. But you know what they did for a long time after Jesus? They're like, okay, we're here to speak. Uh, Lazarus? Tell them what happened. And Lazarus would be like, all right, I was dead um, for like a long time. And here I am. And they would be like, who did that? And yeah, that's, he didn't even have to be an eloquent speaker. Jesus shows up. And don't tell me that Jesus didn't know if he was going to raise him from the dead. Come on. Let's be more honest than that. So Jesus is going to raise him from the dead, but we, we learn that Jesus wept. When you're in pain and suffering, you need to remember that I believe God is as well suffering with you. He loves you so much. He does not want you to suffer. It is not a craving of God for you to experience problems in your marriage, bad health, major accidents, tons of pain and suffering. What scripture teaches us is that when you suffer, it actually upsets God as well. Again, as a parent, sometimes my kids do things that I say you should not do and they find themselves in pain. And even though I told them they shouldn't do it, I am still heartbroken over it. Just because God allows stuff doesn't define his character. Uh, here's another one. Pain and suffering, uh, pain isn't our biggest problem. Now, I, I'm going to tell you, culture right now, and oh, I don't have time in the sermon to go this way, but I'm just telling you, um, we don't like uncomfort, sickness, pains, problems, and I'm not trying to get political. I'm just saying we live in a culture right now that says actually pain is the biggest problem. Get rid of it. Fight it. Don't get around it. It's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. However, according to God, it's actually not the worst thing that can play out in your life. Let's walk through the Bible together. Romans 3.20, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. In other words, you can't be good enough to actually line yourself up with God and be like, I win. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. You have a whole nother problem than pain. A sinful problem. We keep going in Romans. Some call it the Romans road. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yay! The reason I'm telling you this is very simple. Uh, pain needs help with perspective. Anytime you're in pain or a friend's in pain, 
Is not one of the first things for you and I to go is perspective? Have you ever hurt your leg or your hand at some times and thought, I'm going to die. This is, this is the end. Call my family, gather around, and someone looks at you like you're not even bleeding. Pain all of a sudden seems to rob us of perspective, and it needs perspective. And what I'm going to tell you, I'm not trying to be insensitive, is in the midst of your pain and suffering and the pain and suffering of others, you and I often lose out on what is actually most important in life. So let me tell you, separation from God is worse than any pain or suffering you can experience on earth. I really wrestle with this sermon because so much of it makes me feel like I'm being insensitive to whatever you might be walking through. And I do not intend that. Whatever pain you're going through is real. It's legit. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not saying you shouldn't be hurt by that. I'm not. Your pain is real. What I'm saying is, is it God? Let's go back to the Bible. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So like the good news is wrapped in the midst of our pain and suffering, meaning, hey, you're not going to be good enough, you're never going to be good enough, and you can't do good enough stuff and, and be smart enough and know everything and, and, and be perfect enough to be right with God. And in the midst of your pain and suffering, you can't like earn your way back out of that. But however, uh, God loves you and he's provided a way for you to have your sins forgiven. So dad hat on here. Let's talk about God. A lack of answers doesn't equal a lack of love. It just just doesn't. Age of enlightenment. A lack of answers from God, direct. When you're like, God, here's the question. I await your direct answer. And it's silence. The age of enlightenment taught us that that means there must not really be a God. Where long before that was like, maybe God knows you don't like his answer. If you go back to the Bible, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, God actually does care about your pain and suffering, but he cares more about your eternity. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Right now, if you're walking through, uh, let's just call it suck. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. He's referring to to my heaven, talking about paradise. For all creation is waiting, by the way. If you think you're waiting, uh, we all waiting. Uh, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. It's a whole other sermon. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So now, pastor hat on. I should really get some of these hats. Here. God entered the world through Jesus to forgive me, not make me pain-free. I don't like that answer. My kids don't like that answer when I teach them to ride their bikes. 
So I gotta leave you with some questions. Because if you think I'm naive to think that in 30 minutes or so I can answer all the pain and suffering questions and resolve it all for us and be like, you know what, uh, Pastor just, yeah, thanks for solving that one. I'm good to go. No, what I want to bring up with is the age of enlightenment has jacked us up and we thought we had to get answers for absolutely everything where sometimes the pain and suffering we experience, some of the problems in that is I don't have an answer for it. But I do know that eternity matters and that anything I go through now is temporary. So let me give you some questions to wrestle with. Homework. How do I know that God isn't holding back 99% of the potential pain? I just think it's a logical question. When you go through suck, how do I know that God isn't holding back 99% of the potential pain that is actually available to, for me to be just nailed at? I don't know. For me to assume he isn't or is, I, I can't assume anything there. How do I relate to God? Relationship or bodyguard? I think it's a good question. When you're following God and wanting to love God and, and rather than create your own God, how do you relate to God? When you talk to God and think about God and, and engage God, bodyguard or a relationship? Is my response to pain uh, causing, I mean, come on, uh, more pain? In other words, is your experience, current experience with pain causing you to hurt other people because of your own pain? Yeah, good question, I think. What do I believe about life and life after death? Because that will begin to help you go after. What do you believe about eternity and the temporary? There's your homework. Be happy to go with it, with you on this and process it with you. But I think your biggest question is, who has authority in your life? Are you God or is God God? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you meet every single one of us in the midst of any pain we are experiencing or will experience? Lord, for those of us counseling and meeting with and encouraging and trying to help our friends or family members in the midst of their pain, God, would you give us wisdom but also humility? Lord, I pray for comfort for those who are walking through pain. Lord, would you give them even a bit of a break? Would you intervene? Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would heal those who need healed, that you would fix what needs to be fixed, that you would block who needs to be blocked, that you would fight what needs to be fought. In the name of Jesus, Lord, would you intervene in all the places that we need you to intervene? But Lord, whatever you choose to do, we submit to your will and ask that you help us to accept it. We pray this in your name. Amen.